Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Good evening, HSM. How are you doing? Great. We are opening up our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1 this evening. So if you have a Bible, please flip over there. If you need one, one will be given to you. Just put up your hand and we'll bless you with one of those as well. We are going through our Isaiah series, which has been a blessing. Britt Vargas opened it up last week. And wasn't that amazing? Hearing about the holiness of God, just a blessing. And now here we are in week two, and we're beginning to learn what our our position is, our default as people and God's grace. Our default and God's grace. Now, real quick, you guys maybe have never read the book of Isaiah, but it's an interesting book. In fact, when you look at the book of Isaiah, you realize it's actually the gospel. It is the gospel. It is a New Testament story right in the 66 books of the book of, the 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. Jesus is salvation. Our God saves. Amen? And so that's what we're looking at this evening, how God saves. And what's also interesting about the book of Isaiah, for those who are super Bible nerds like me, you'll realize it has an interesting literary structure, which means when you look at Isaiah, it has how many chapters in the first uh, the first uh, part where it kind of changes to a different kind of a part of the story. We have 39 chapters. And then you go over to the next end of the book, which are now how many, how many left? 66 minus 39, how many are left? Quick math. 27, that's right. 27 left, right? So 39 and 27. Does that sound familiar to you? 39, 27, 66. What other Bible has, does the Bible have 66 books? Jeez, crazy. And how is the Bible separated? Old Testament 39, and then the rest are 27. Amazing, right? So this is cool how the Bible is separated that way. Of course, uh, this was, these chapters were made and put in there by man. But literally, where they put that, that little join or that little uh, bend within the scripture is a, a twisting point, is a change of view where we actually see God's grace and his hope being poured out on his people, people like you and me. And so we're jumping into this book knowing that the book of Isaiah is about God and his redeeming power. It's about a God of redemption. A God who sees us in the middle of our sin and yet says, I'm going to redeem you. Which means he brings you back to 100%. Like nothing was lost. Like nothing you've done can ever re- like take you away from him. But also anything you lost in that time, he brings it back to 100%. So the Bible, the book of Isaiah, in fact, the whole story, the string throughout the gospel is that God redeems his people. And God does indeed redeem his people. So Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, if you're taking notes We're going to be jumping through 1 through 11, and then also, thank you, J.D., 18 through 20. So, here we go. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 in the NLT. It says, These are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Okay, now let's notice this. If you guys have been around for a while at HSM, you know how I teach. There's words that I circle in my Bible and I highlight them on the screen. And to me, these two words stood out. He goes, listen, oh heavens. Who's talking to the heavens? Is it me? Is it Isaiah? Who's speaking? 
God, Yahweh, he himself speaks to the heavens. He speaks to the earth. And he, he commands and says, listen, like be a witness. Have I not loved these people? Have I not raised them up? Have I not cared for them as my own? He says, he calls them the children I raised. He's endearing towards them. And so this is what God has done toward us. He looks at all the other things he's created and all these, this creation around us looks on us and responds to God and honors God and recognizes the holiness of God and the power of God. And he asks this, this earth, this, all this world around us to stand as a witness. And we don't think about that, but when we read scripture, we find parts, for example, when Jesus is going back into Jerusalem. And he's walking down right into, into, into Jerusalem for the last time. He's about to be killed. And all these people are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, save us. And the Pharisees say, tell these people to keep quiet. And Jesus' response to them is interesting. He goes, if, if I tell them to keep quiet, the rocks themselves will cry out. Now, that's interesting. Because we just read that. Like, I don't know if you guys like read over that real quick. Like, oh my gosh, like, whoop, it's gone. But to think that God actually speaks to these rocks. And these rocks, if... You don't give praise will cry out themselves. Like, if you wonder what the, the cause of earthquakes are and volcanoes, the Bible says that the earth itself is groaning, waiting for you, for you, from you and I to go back to where our true purpose is as sons of God. So the earth knows what's, what's happening, is fully aware. I would dare say even has emotions. Like, that's crazy to think about. But God is speaking to the earth and says, look, look at these people. Look at what's going on. Kind of like a courtroom. And then he says... Pay attention. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. And the glory of this, 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 these verses is this, that in the middle of all their sin, God is still pursuing rebels. That God is still pursuing us. God is still pursuing the villain. I was saying earlier on that there's no story where someone would willingly die for the villain. That doesn't exist. It truly doesn't. Not willingly. I mean, you could use Spider-Man away from home, but I don't think so. Like, Aunt May didn't die for it. Like, she tried, but she didn't willingly give her life. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist at all. So what God is doing is so unique, so careful, so carefree. So people say, we call it reckless. But I say it has purpose. It has pose. God still pursues rebel. Rebels. In Isaiah 3 through 4, he goes on to say, Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. When I was growing up, we had this donkey called Junior. Yes, I know. Very interesting. This donkey called Junior thought he was a dog. And it was so interesting to have this donkey because the donkey would like run around and chase us around. And it was so scary because you hear like the hooves. Have you guys ever, like, have you guys ever been around horses? And you hear the clop, 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 clop. But it's not like faster. It's running behind you. And you don't know. Like it's this huge animal. And then you stop. And it stops. And you keep running. You stop. And it stops. Or you could go like you know, the little clicking sound. And the donkey would come to us. But if someone else did it outside our fence, it's like, no, like I'm not going to deal with that, right? But the Bible is saying that even, like, even an ox, even a donkey knows its owner. It recognizes, all the creation recognizes who God is. And yet here we are acting in rebellion. It says, even a donkey recognizes its master's care. Care. Just care. Have you thought about the, like, the blessings that God has put on you? And this is what the Bible calls general grace, where even people who are living in sin can get married. It's a general grace. Where, in fact, David's so angry, he goes, God, how is this happening? Even the rain falls on both the good and the evil. 
Like, what is this? There's a general care that God has for all people, and yet they've rejected him. He goes, oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. It says again right here that they're loaded down with a burden of guilt. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've sinned against someone or you've been sinned against. And what happens is that guilt actually separates you from that person. Because either you are guilty because you've done something wrong, or you're just like, I don't, I don't care, but you usually have a separation. You can't have like real relationship. You can't be real with one another. It gets super awkward. See, what sin does is separates us from God. He goes, they are laid down and holding this burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised, here's that word again, the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. He's saying this, and he's just trying to make this point. I don't know why in this first three or four verses, he goes, dude, everything responds to my holiness, and why do you not? It doesn't make sense. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, he goes, you should give yourself as a living sacrifice. Like the, and just to summarize, he goes, this makes sense. This is a proper form of worship. He's calling us to worship the God of all creation. All creation recognizes the holiness of God. But again, our sin, our sin, Israel's sin, like our sin, Israel's sin, Israel's sin actually kept them from their purpose. And our sin will keep us from our purpose. If we are not holding on to what God has called us to, our purpose is lost. Our purpose is thrown aside. And what was Israel's purpose? See, God chose Israel. Of all the nations of the world, the he chose you by name. He knows you by name. When you were in your mother's room, he was knitting together all your intricacies. How whether or not you like, I don't know, Chick-fil-A sauce or tomato sauce or I don't know like some people like like shrimp I don't know why you guys like shrimp but like this is the thing like he's all those intricacies like whether you like music or hip-hop or hip-hop I'm just like he's just like all these things like he's forming all these things delicately inside of you Brit said it last week you were made on purpose for a purpose okay there's no mistakes and so he chooses Israel the same way he's chosen you and he says this, Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. What is he saying? All of us have special stuff, right? You go have that special drawer where you keep all your little things or little things like your little memories and whatever. You keep all that stuff in there. How many of you guys have that stuff? Like a special drawer, a special little pocket or something where you keep all your special stuff. Oh, there you go. Awesome, right? I do too, and I'm 30, okay? So I don't know where that, if that ever goes away. But God is saying, I have selected you and I have lifted you up. I've elevated you. And he said, you are going to be a nation of priests. Now, when you think of a priest, you might think of someone who has like a little conical hat and lives in a gold house somewhere and sometimes comes out in the middle of the day and there's like glass around him and it's like bulletproof. We're not talking about that. If you don't know who I'm talking about, that's a pope. But anyway, that's not the kind of priest we're talking about. A priest is someone who is supposed to, on behalf of God, minister healing. Like you minister healing, you minister care, you minister like for God, on behalf of God. You are an ambassador, right? And he said, all of us have been called to be a kingdom of priests, which is why after a cultivate night, you guys are in this room praying for one another because you are priests. You've been released as priests. That's why you can go to your school and speak healing, because you are being released as priests. That's why you can serve one another in humility like our God. Because you've been released as priests. 
But if you're living a life of sin, you can't do that with confidence because sin actually sucks the confidence out of you. You cannot be confident because you have no relationship with God. See, sin is violent. That's what it does. It separates friends. It separates friends. He wants us to be in with him. See, God will use it to bring healing. God will use it to open up eyes. God will use it to set people free. God will use it to share the gospel with people. But it starts with you being obedient to what he's called. It says there what it said. It said this, obey me and keep my covenant. See, obedience comes from a place of humility. First, you have to say, God, I recognize who I am. I recognize where I am. And I want to serve you. And I want to be obedient to your purposes for my life. And the thing is, we're not just being used by God. That sounds weird. Like God, like when you see, say like God used me, that sounds weird, right? Sometimes. But no, that's not what he's trying to say like in, in a, self, a sense of selfishness. No. When he says God wants to use you, he is giving you your purpose, which gives you great joy. Some of you guys love photography. Some of you guys love football. Some of you guys love, well, not enough. Well, here you go. You love all these different things, right? But like all those things you will do even to your detriment because you enjoy them. Like, I will spend hours and hours just reading and studying and watching things, like, about the Bible or just on YouTube because I enjoy it to my detriment. Hours and hours. I think, let's be real. How many of you guys binge watch shows to your detriment? What? She's like, yeah, me. Right? Because you enjoy it. See, what God is doing is he's fulfilling his purpose in your joy to do what God wants you to do. Right? Your purpose will bring you great joy. If you're wondering, like, what am I made for? Some of you guys are going to be, like, like prophets, like you're going to be speaking with boldness. Some of you guys are going to be people who have the gift of teaching. And you're like, always like teaching people, sitting down, like, hey, what, what, let's talk about this. And you have all this wisdom. And people come to you for wisdom. God wants to use you like that. But it starts with our humility. Again, Isaiah 1, 4 through 6, it says this, that they are burdened down with, they're burdened down with all their guilt. But their sin separates them from God. So... This is the point here, that your sin does not have to control you. You don't have to be controlled by your sin. God wants to give you freedom. God has the best for you. And for some of us, what happens is when we realize that God has the best for us and we are stuck in our sin, we choose to do one thing. Some of us go, go this way. We decide to live a life of religion. We say, I have to do all the things. Because after almost every service, we're like, join a small group. What else do we say? We're like, join a small group, come to service, invite a friend. Right? Maybe go serve. And some of you guys, instead of actually dealing with your sin and what's going on in your life, you say, I'm going to cover up my sin with serving. And you do all these things to look good. And you don't actually do what's going on in your heart. And this is what happens with Isaiah 1, 11 through 14. It says this, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices? See, God doesn't need us. But he goes, dude, what, what, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. He goes, all these things you're giving me, they're just religious. I don't need them. And he goes on and on. When you come to me to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The intents of your offerings disgust me. His heart is broken, but he's also disgusted. By how we're trying to worship him. See, there's an improper way to worship God. And this is one of the ways. By trying to do it like in religion. By covering up our sin with doing things. He goes, I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. He can't stand them. He can't. See, because God is not after the things you do. God is after your heart. 
He wants who you are. These people defaulted to religion instead of relationship. Like they defaulted to religion instead of relationship. And there's this verse in Isaiah 29, 13, which brings us up more clearly. You guys might have heard this as you've grown up or gone to church before. Or if you're hearing it for the first time, hear this. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. We say we love God. God, we love you. We're for you. We're all about what you're about. But they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but a man-made rules learned by role. How many of you guys have ever been in a theater? You've acted. You've played something like that. So, or you've played, what do they call that game where you like go around and dress like something else and, you know, kill people and, oh, whatever. There's, there's all kinds of games like that. You played a role, right? You fulfill the role. And when you're done with the role, what do you do? You're done playing that video game. You're done being Spider-Man. You're done being Superman or whatever. I don't know what games you guys be playing these days, right? When you're done playing that role, what do you do? You're done. Then you go and do something else. You're a whole other person. And he goes, I don't want that fakeness of that moment for that one time. I want all of you. God is after your heart. God wants more for you than religion. He wants a deep relationship where you can be real with each other, where you can cry. There are people in the Bible who have cried out to God in anger. Job is asking God, curse the day that I was born. What kind of realness is that? Like, that's a real homie. Where you can just be like, dude, I, I just hate your shoes, dude. I love your shoes. But like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, just in honesty. Like, they have honest conversations with the God of the universe. That's where he wants us to be. And to trust that he's a good God, a good judge, who can take care of all of our needs. Like, God's not, like, he's not concerned or scared by your anger or even your doubt. John the Baptist, the greatest man ever born of a woman, he's the one who baptized Jesus. Like, heavens are open, right? The skies are open, a voice from heaven. That is my son whom I'm well pleased. Like, and he's in jail a few chapters later, and he goes, like, are you the Messiah? He's, he's doubting. Like, he was baptized by the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. Like, talk about all these instances where he has touch points with Jesus and with God himself, and yet he's still doubting. See, God is not afraid of our doubts, and God answers. Jesus answers John with such patience. He goes, are the blind seeing? Like, are, are the lame walking? Like, are people being set free? Like, those are the questions you ask. And you ask them this question with such, such confidence, such compassion. God wants us to be in relationship, with open relationship with him, being honest with him. He can take it because he wants us to be with him and not through a life of religion. This reminds me actually of Jonah. You guys remember Jonah when we went to a, a Hume winter camp and the king asked for everyone to repent? This is what happened. It's pretty interesting, Jonah 3.8. He says this, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them all cut, call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Like I said earlier, sin is violent. Like sin is a violent thing that separates people. And he goes, dude, like stop trying to front. I have my friends from the hood, they'll be like, dude, you ain't got to lie to kick it. That's what they say. Like you don't have to lie to kick it. You don't have to be a particular kind of a way around us for you to be like our friends. Like, people want and love authenticity. All of us hate fakeness. We hate religion. And God does as well. He wants us to be a people who are honest and real with him. So what does he say to us who maybe you might be in that spot where you're living a religious life to do these good things to attain the favor of God? You're doing these good things to make yourself feel good. You're doing these good things to hide what you're really not dealing with, which is your sin. He says this in Isaiah 118. He goes, 
116, he goes, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give your up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. What does this mean? He's going, look outside of yourself. All these things you're doing in religion are to hide things to keep yourself secure, to make sure you are safe, to make sure your feelings don't get hurt. That's why you lie. Why do we lie? We don't want to be found out. If we were found out, we're found out that we are not enough or we have issues. Like, why do you pretend? Why do you get lost in video games? Why do we go get stuck up on porn? Why do we get stuck into drugs? Why do we get stuck up in all these things, these words, and let these words consume us? Because we realize, God, I want to have control. The Bible says in Philippians that don't be anxious for anything, but with everything, like make your request known to God. Meaning like, why do we get anxious? Because we try to control everything. And when you realize you can't control everything, oh, it freaks you out. I get freaked out when I can't control everything. I might put on the face, but dude, I get freaked out too. But then I remember that God controls everything. The God who speaks to the very rocks and the oceans. Like the Bible says, even the oceans clap their hands for him. I'm like, dude, everything responds to him. I have no need to worry. And I chill. He wants us to have that trust with him. So what is he saying? That we are to live a life of repentance. A life of repentance. The Greek word for that is metanoia. If you're a Bible geek like me, it means turning 180 degrees. What you used to do, you no longer do. You say, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's a difference between, can you come up real quick? Shane, uh, sorry, Shane, sorry, Lucas. <laughs> you do you mind, Lucas? I'm so sorry, sir. I'm going to drink this water in honor of you. Cheers. The real Lucas. Cool. So, check it out. Lucas right here used to struggle with smoking Weed, ooh, so crazy, ah, right? Okay, cool. Then Lucas one day decides, you know what? I'm going to go to camp. I'm going to go to a youth group. I'm going to go to a small group. I'm going to talk to JD. I'm going to talk to Aaron. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to get accountability. I'm going to get the brothers to pray for me. Like, guys, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to stop this. I'm, I need help. And actually what happens is that like, God actually, like, helps him, right, to, like, work on this process. So. Lucas, one day, is walking through the streets of, where do you live now? Okay, a thousand nugs. He's all, come on, strut, bro. Come on. Where's that strut? Where's that strut? Uh. So Lucas is strutting down the streets of thousand nugs. And then Jaden, Jaden rolls up, riding dirty in his, you know, deal right here. And he goes, yo, you want to smoke? Now, I don't know why Jaden's offering this guy weed, but this is what's happening right now, okay? This is the story. Right, because, oh my gosh, let's not get into this, right? And what happens is this. His response is, um, I, uh, I'm trying to stop smoking weed, okay? And then Jaden's all, all right, cool, cool, cool. You sure? Goes, yeah, I'm trying to stop. All right, cool, cool. Jaden's like, Jaden's adamant, right? So this is now a Tuesday, walking down the street on the Tuesday. Walk, bro. Oh, here we go, Tuesday, woo, Tuesday, right? And then what happens is, our brother, Jaden, rolls up again. And Jaden's like, yo, you still want that smoke? And this time, Lucas says, hmm, what do you say? No. No, he's, no, Lucas says, I don't smoke weed. Okay, those are two different statements. First day was what? I'm trying to stop smoking. Second day was what? No, I don't smoke, I don't smoke weed, right? 
he moved from one place to the other. Meaning like there's, there's a progression happening here. But one of them has more power. He goes, I am a new creation. He's saying, what I used to love, I no longer love. I do not smoke weed. I do not be like allow anxiety to hold me down. I do not allow guilt to hold me down. I don't allow porn to hold me down. My focus is not on relationship with other people in the sense that they're like my whole life. No, God is my life and God secures me. He gives me purpose and understanding. And that's why Lucas ends up having a free life with Jesus, right? Because he's trusted God with his life. He's trusted God with who he is. But there's a progression with that. See, repentance is actually a continual process. Thank you, Lucas. Give it up for Lucas. Who does not smoke weed? All right, come on. Right? Lucas is living a life of repentance. And repentance in itself is a continual process. It happens every day. And God invites us into this process. Look at this in Isaiah 1.18. He goes, come now, let's settle this. Let's think about this. Come, come be with me. He goes, Though your sins are as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. He makes you a whole new person. He redeems you. Again, he says, come now. Let's settle this. Then who, who says he's going to make you as white as snow? You? Did, do you see anything about you in the middle of that? Like you doing something? He goes, no, just, just come. Just come. Just come and trust me. And this is an invitation for every person in this room, for every person on this earth. God says, just come. Just come to me. Trust me. Like, humble yourself. Don't, don't strive in your own strength. Come to me. I want to make you new. And what he does is this. Now, of course, this is not blood. <laughs> well, who knows? Frog blood? I don't know. Okay, cool. Right. For all y'all who like, like snails and all that stuff. But this is what he says. He goes, dude. Though you're a sin, like this cup, do you even know what's in this cup? You do not want to drink what's in this cup. You were hearing earlier. Okay, here, you don't want to drink anything that's in this cup, right? This is not something you want to gobble down or choke. I don't want to drink. I would not do this, right? Look at this. It's weird. But what God says, even as, as, as icky, as dirty, as separate as your sin, like puts you away from me, I still want to come in the gap. And this is what God did when Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that his blood was poured out for us. And it covered us and makes us new. Here's the verse in Isaiah uh, uh, 53, 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Okay, now, two things. Those are kind of big words. Transgression. And iniquity, such interesting words. I circled them. Let's go. All right. Transgression. The Bible, and you see throughout the Bible, the word transgression is willful sin. Like you do this on purpose. Like your mom says, don't touch it. And you're like, I'm going to touch it. Don't touch it. I want to touch it. Don't touch it. And then you just like touch it. Willful sin. Fully aware of what you're doing, right? You go in your room in the middle of the night. You open up Pornhub, that's you. You know what you're doing. It's wrong. You go to your friend. You know he's, he's selling weed or whatever he's selling at the school. He's not selling Pop-Tarts. And you're like, yo, hook me up. Like full 100%, like you full send. Like we had boundaries in our relationship, but now we're pushing that boundary a little further, a little further. Full send. Like he goes, if you full send in sin, God has said, I will cover that. Not so you continue to, continue to sin, but so you can be free from sin. So you don't have any guilt anymore. So you can be free to love him, right? 
And then the word iniquity. The word iniquity is, is, is deep. It's such a deep word. Ask me how deep. As deep as a deep dish pizza from Little Caesars. Just kidding. All right, let's back it up. Let's back it up. Bring it back. Dad jokes are done. Right? It's so deep. It goes all the way down to Adam. Do you know how many generations you have to go back to reach Adam? Some of you guys have done that. What's that thing where you type in your, like, ancestry.com, whatever, and you're like, dude, oh, my gosh, I'm African. I didn't know. 2%. Like, amen. Like, okay, good for you, right? But, like, this goes all the way back to Adam. Like, this is why all of us, like, when someone, like, offends us, we, our first inclination ought to be like, oh, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to let, let this go. And next week, um, we can like, talk about, like, puppies. I don't know. Like, what happens with you guys when you guys have confrontation or something happens in your life? Like, our first reaction is not to be at peace. Our first reaction is to throw hands or to gossip about that person or to speak ill of that person or to go slash your tires. Don't do that, okay? Right? This is our first inclination. Our first inclination is to bend towards sin. And what God has said that he wants to do with us is that he washes all that, all that clean. And this is how he does it. He goes, again, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And now we have peace with God. And by his wounds, we are healed. And this is what he did. His blood came and cleaned all that up. He goes, as much as you are a sinner, as much as you tried to do all these things to please yourself, he goes, I want to give you true joy. I want to give you real, your real purpose. And all those things you did in the past, all the things you were going to do in the future, all the things you were even thinking about, he goes, I'm going to clean that and make that new. This is amazing. To have a clean rap sheet? Like, I hope none of you guys get arrested. It's not fun stuff, right? It's not good stuff. Because everywhere you go, if you try to apply for a job, they do a background check. And when they do that background check and they find out, oh, he's been in jail. What for? Ah, Lucas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lucas, right? But, and they're like, oh, what happened back in, back in 2020? It was hard. Anyway, this is the point, right? But God is able to clean that so you're redeemed, so you don't even have a record. Like, you're clean. There's nothing else that separates you from God. Like, you used to full send into sin, now you full send into all the things that are him. Like, you're trusting him for who he says he is. And here's, here's the end of it. Oh, no, I asked the worship team to come up. Isaiah 1, 19 through 20. The way Isaiah ends this, and really God is speaking through Isaiah, he says, you guys are crazy. You're wilding out. You're forgetting who made you. You're forgetting the God who loves you, the God who takes care of you, the God who's poured his life out for you, the God who controls everything, the God who died for you, the God, he says, who raised you up from when you were young. You think you just grow by chance? Like, because my parents are there. Like, no, dude, like God is sustaining you. He's sustaining you every single day, sustained by God. As much as the McDonald's you eat, God, you think you're going to be alive the next day? Like God's sustaining you in all the trash you eat, in all the stuff you do, in all the stuff like you're working through, your anxieties and your pains. Like he goes, I'm sustaining you. He says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're humble, again, obedience begins with humility. And sin is violent. It separates us from God. He goes, if you're willing, you're willing to be humble and obedient and trust him, you will eat the good of the land. That means you will fulfill all the purposes that God has given you. You will eat your full and your fill. And you will enjoy what God has for you in his purposes. Then he says this as a real friend and a real honest God who loves us. He goes, but if you refuse and rebel... You shall be eaten by the sword, 
For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's that Lord, capital L, capital R, capital R, capital D, L-O-R-D, Yahweh. He goes, I have spoken. I have spoken. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. You don't have to be stuck in your sin. You don't have to be held back by those things. In fact, he wants you to be free from it so that you can be a kingdom of priests. You can bring healing wherever God has called you to. And I would encourage you, especially as we use our prayer wall, like some of you guys like in this room, you're friends and you know what's going on with one another, like pray over each other. Like you have leaders in the room, like amen, that's great. But here you are, people who are a kingdom of priests. God is releasing you into your purpose. Minister healing to one another. Care for one another. Be, be real enough to be real and be like, yo, like that person you're with, not healthy. That person you're with, like, you, you probably shouldn't hang out with them. Like, hey, I, I really want you to have what God has for you. Like, my chiefest joy is not to have you guys line my pockets down the line because you guys are 30 and we preach the gospel and you're like, oh, life's great. Here's 20 bucks. Like, I don't care about that. That's not the point. What we want from you is to see your guys' lives fulfilled in the purposes of God. That you're doing what God has called you to and it's bringing you great joy. And that's what God wants for you as well. Come reason with God. Think about this. Does this make sense to receive life? To choose life when he's given us life? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this evening. I thank you that as we read uh, Isaiah chapter 1, we see a people like us who sometimes get wild and do all these crazy things. Sometimes even good things to hide the things we're struggling with. A people that's rebelled against a God who sets the sun and the moon and the stars in motion. And yet we act like we know it all. Lord, we repent. We repent. We say we are sorry for doing this, Lord. Help our hearts. Humble our hearts. Teach us to follow your way. And Lord, I ask that you strengthen my brothers and sisters as they learn to do so. As they learn to make hard, these hard decisions. Because repentance is a process, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving the strength to do that. And Lord, like you said in Isaiah, right here, that we'll be able to eat the fruit of the land. Lord, thank you for allowing them to see their purpose and enjoy who you are as they trust you. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, Visit us on Instagram at CalvaryHSM805. Go live and love like Jesus.